Hey, Teresa, are you ready to talk about social media? I like that idea. Oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, fave. It's Schmanners. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. Welcome to another recording of Schmanners. Here after we are. After dark. Ooh, after dark. Just means the baby's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so podcasting we, in the night times. The, the, for, this is podcasting for adults. It's not. This is totally safe <laughs> no. for work. Um, so this is week two of the Max Fun Drive. We're going to talk all about it. But I want to say it right at the top because if you're hearing this on Friday, it is the last day of the Max Fun Drive. So you want to get in now while it still counts. Get I mean, in under the wire. You can still do it after this. But if you want to be like part of the drive, MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. So this is a topic. That we have been talking about doing for a while. In this modern age, I think that this is a thing that everybody wants to know about. And we were a little bit hesitant to talk about. But you know what? It's Max Fun Drive. Anything can happen. And here Ugh, we are. Tisk, 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 sigh, tisk. So here's the thing. Uh-huh. Here is the reason. Um, I think that social networking, social media, is fraught with kind of an anxiety. Yeah. You know? Um, because people are really putting themselves out there. Um, sometimes they're trolling and it's, sometimes it can be fairly disingenuine, you know? Yeah. Listen, I have lots of very strong opinions about Mm -hmm. social media and I could jump in and talk about it for an hour, but before we do that, Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit history and then we'll do some like tips and tricks and answer, not surprisingly, a whole bunch of questions. Yes. Well, I would argue that the precursor to uh, social media would be the telegraph. Think about it. It's the or- wait. I'm thinking about it. Okay. It's the original DM. Okay. That's that's short for direct message. Okay. I I think you could make that argument stick. Um, because. Unlike a letter, right? It's not written correspondence. It's code sent over a wire. Unlike the telephone, you're not directly speaking to someone. It is a it is a a written message in that way. So, like, okay. what do you think? Yeah. Sure. Sure. You've won me over, my darling. Okay. So, in 1844, Samuel Morse sent the first telegraph from Washington D.C. to Baltimore. By the way, I just listened to an episode of 99% Invisible. I, I think I already knew this, but I was reminded of this word. So, this is a great example of that. An eponym, and an eponym is a word uh, like Morse code, where it's like the name comes from the person who discovered it, or it's named after like the person associated with the creation of it. Um, this happens a lot in like illnesses and stuff. Uh, but anyways, I, I just, it, it's very interesting. There's a whole series of word, eponyms. Star swipe, the more you know. Perfect. So um, 
Here was the first original DM, I say in air quotes. It was a Bible verse from the book of Numbers, um, suggested by Annie Ellsworth. What hath God wrought? Mm-hmm. Maybe this was a, uh, a foreshadowing of what might happen in social media. What has happened? I mean, what this, have God wrought? This happens a lot. I actually got two things kind of conflated here. And I think it was the person who created uh, the atom bomb who said, I am become death destroyer of worlds or something mm, along those. And mm. I thought that was the first thing sent in a Morse code. <laughs> I'm now, but I mean, both are applicable. But then there's a thing that people tend to do, like they invent something and they're like, oh, now I'm not so sure. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. Well, so let's fast forward um, a lot and jump to 1971. Okay. The first email was sent. In 1971? I thought yes. it was the 80s. Well, so the thing was, the two computers, the one that sent and the one that received, were sitting right next to each other. Okay, so not great. I mean, not long distance, for sure. No. And the message was, you're weird, yope. Excuse me? Was it, it was, Swedish? No. German. It was just gibberish from a keyboard. G-W-E-R-T-Y-U-I-O-P. You're yope. Okay. And and not much has changed since. <laughs> okay, so from after that, uh, the next touchstone is in 1978, where BBS, or Bulletin Board System, was created. Um, so what this was, was you had your personal computer, right? And you needed to dial in via your modem. These are old jargon words and if you are younger than 20 younger than 15 you probably don't even know honey what younger than 30 younger than 30 i know what a dial-up okay is. but i'm just saying like even 20 i'm saying that that's 97 at this point i think no maybe we weren't into cable at that point maybe you're right maybe 15 but there are definitely people who I am friends with who don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> so you needed to dial in using your your phone, basically. Uh, you hooked up your your modem to your phone line, and that way you could dial in to the modem of a host computer, and then you could exchange your data through the phone line, a lot like we do data messaging today on cell phones, but it was through a landline. And if you've never had to use a dial-up modem, if somebody, like, picked up the phone in your house, you'd get knocked off. Yeah. This is especially bad if you're playing online games. Happened to me a lot. Playing a lot of early MMOs. You get knocked off of there. Um, and that's where you get that, like, you pick up the thing and it makes that... <laughs> kind of noise. <laughs> like the sound you would expect if you tortured a robot. <laughs> please, I'll tell you anything. No, please don't do it. So... This uh, bulletin board system was the first system that let users interact with each other through the internet. I don't think, I know it was in 1978, I was not alive. It was five years before that. But I do remember using very, very, very early, like I was like eight or nine, maybe younger, uh, like chat rooms. Mm -hmm. Like chat rooms that were independent. Uh, it wasn't like an AOL chat room. It was like my, my uncle came over and like set up our computer for us and hooked us up to the internet and you could go on. And I remember specifically there were like 
themed chat rooms. Like one was like an old West saloon and everybody talked like they were cowboys. And one was like an Irish pub and everybody talked like they were Irish. And one was like a fantasy tavern. And they were all just like themed rooms Mm -hmm. where you would go on and talk to other people. Well, at this point in the 70s, it was basically limited to computer hobbyists or like commercial clients. There really wasn't a, a... a home system that you could use for this. Um, And in fact, the BBS system was based on a coin-operated community memory board from the San Francisco Bay Area. I know. So as early as 1973, they were using coin-operated computer systems to post on a community bulletin board. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. But, you know... Some people credit the BBS system to be an important step towards things like Twitter. And then the next big advancement is Snapchat. No. There's some stuff in between? There's a lot of stuff in between. So one of the things that probably... Well, let me ask you a question because I just said mine. What's the earliest that you remember like being online and using it like to interact with other people? Well, I remember AIM. Yeah, AOL, yeah, right? AOL, Instant Messenger. I remember Instant Messenger used to be a thing. But there was a period. There was an interesting period where it AOL IM existed like alone as like a solo program that you mm-hmm. could like log, yeah. log into. But before that, it was like AOL was how everyone got online for a while, and like basically it was just like you would type in keywords, and so rather than URLs. You would. I remember watching Nickelodeon, and the show would end, and it'd be like, "If you want to learn more, AOL keyword Snick or whatever." Instead mm-hmm. of giving you a URL to go to, you would yeah. go to AOL and type in the keyword. Well, my mom was very wary of us using AOL, so we had to have those like super private profiles, and it wasn't really even a profile; it was just who could search you really mm-hmm. to add your username. And so I really only spoke to the people that I know I knew very well, because even then, internet privacy was like a huge deal. Um, But so AOL Instant Messenger launched in 1997. But before that, do you remember GeoCities? I do remember. I had a page full of dancing hamsters and stuff. (laughs) That started around 1994. Okay. Yeah, that's about right. I would have been 11. Sure. Yeah, that's about right. Sure. So this was more about publishing your own content because you could kind of make web pages and they were searchable according to hobbies and interest. Now, at this point, too, you didn't have any kind of like URL shorteners. So there was these super long like geocities.com backslash backslash Travis's page backslash backslash. And it was like. It, it would take, it, I, I don't know how anybody found anything in those days because all the URLs were so long and complicated. Right. Um, there's one that is actually almost as old as GeoCities and AOL. And this is called sixdegrees.com. I don't know it. I think that maybe it was geared towards slightly older users than we were at the time. Um, and it's a little bit like Facebook, but the it was a very simple profile that connected you through those, quote, six degrees. You know how we used to play the Kevin Bacon game? Oh, yeah. 
Some people still do. Some people still do. And you could create a profile and make a group and search and invite friends. But like it was very limited. Um, But it was sold in 2001 for $125 million. Who bought it? Kevin Bacon? No. It was shut down the year after. Oh, okay. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> doesn't really matter. It's gone now. But were you were you an adopter cool. to stuff like uh, Facebook and, and MySpace in the early days? Friendster? I, w- I was not. Um, I actually was not, quote, online after AIM. Um, I didn't even have a cell phone till like 2005. I, I had a cell phone starting in 2001. I got my parents gave me one my senior year of high school because I was leaving for college and I had like the Nokia like brick that everyone thinks of when they think of like that period of cell phones. Mm -hmm. And I actually remember um, Twitter in the early days. If you wanted to post to Twitter from your phone, you had to text the message to a certain number. Like a cell phone number. Uh-huh. And that's why, um, I believe that's why originally the character limits were 140. Because it was the size that you could make text messages at that point. Yeah. So it was meant that you could update your Twitter profile from your phone by texting your update to like a, to a number. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I had a substantial text plan until I met you. No, that's true. I I I ruined your your data messaging. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty. I love texting. I hate talking on the cell phone. On my rollover minutes, I have something like fifty thousand rollover minutes because I just never never talk on the phone. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, enough about us. So you were talking sec- six degrees, and then. So I know that Twitter is kind of the big springboard that I always think about, but I know there's stuff before that. I mean, we we talked a little bit before. totally stuff before that. One of my favorite things that was before Twitter, you're looking at me and smiling. I know exactly what you're going to say. Is live journal. Yeah. All right. So here's the deal. If you uh, were not around during live journal era, live journal was like a combination of like your Facebook like post, you know, where you could be like, you know, I was thinking today about what was that movie with that? Like that was live journal, but it was also like Twitter where you did kind of status updates. Where right. you, like, and you could even put your, uh, how you felt. So feeling contented. Feeling it was a depressed. journal. It was supposed to be like your online diary for people to read. And I think mine was pretty much basically like, look how funny I am. Mm-hmm. Nothing much has changed there. But it was very like, look how funny I am. And also I'm trying to flirt with people and talk about <laughs> girls, I think. I was a teenager and that was my whole focus. Well, I was a very emo teenager. You according were According to Live Journal. Um, I, I didn't follow the emo culture. Like I didn't wear a lot of black or whatever. But, but your heart my Bled heart was emo. so emo. I went through in preparation for this and read like 50 of my entries. Most of them are about boys. Um, because that was, I mean, that was the age that mm-hmm. I was at. It was, you know, my early college years. I think, I think that I stopped probably my junior, senior year of college there. Um, but I had it in high school. I, I mean... Oh, man, and I updated it a lot. Be, I need you to read one of your poems, please. Okay, you I'll, do crayon? I'll read the crayon. Okay. One. So here's the thing, you guys. 
No, no preface. Just read it. It's adorable. It's so cute. Please read it. All right. This is dated Tuesday, January 27th, 2004. Have you ever looked at a box of crayons? There's always that one crayon that is still sharp when the others are round and worn. Somehow it's always that same putrid yellow-green. It's never used for grass or trees because it looks kind of sickly and gross. I kind of feel like that crayon. It's not very pretty and even less useful. Maybe it has potential. Maybe it could be a contribution to something better. But it is almost doomed. When the other ones are all used up and gone, it could have a chance, but it will have to fight for it and it will always disappoint because it's not the color of the grass or the trees, so it will sit and wait out its lonely existence, maybe forever. But who knows? Maybe that weird orangish yellowish red will be its friend and together they can decorate a 70s style kitchen. And I'm the weird reddish <laughs> orangish one. You are. You're my That's, weird reddish orangish yellow crayon. <laughs> I'll tell you that uh, the reason I love that so much uh, is the the turn of I am that crayon. It's just so good. That's just so good. Like yeah. Yes, we know. Like that's 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 what always separates like twenty year old poetry from like like you know actual like I'm trying to think of a nicer way to put it, but good poetry <laughs> of that idea of like yes, no, we. We know you're the crayon. Right. Yes. Uh huh. Right. You wouldn't be writing this if you weren't the crayon. Yeah. We, we, I'm the crayon. You guys got that right. Like I'm the crayon. Okay. Cool. 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 And I know that that sounded like a paragraph, but it was spaced very artfully. <laughs> you guys. Totally. <laughs> totally great. Okay. So I'm trying to think of something I can do to balance out. Um, I'm trying to think of anything incredible. Uh, I had MySpace top eight. I don't. I didn't my MySpace, MySpace is still. Uh, mm-hmm. You can still find my MySpace. Ooh, I want somewhere. everyone to search Travis's MySpace somewhere because I know because I did this. I no longer have access to it. I can't remember any of my logins to any of it. But I know I, as of like a year ago, it was still there. Wow. Uh huh. Um, that is how I will balance out making okay. you read the crayon poem. Okay. Live Journal's first dated post is from November 23rd, 1997, but it probably really started around 1999, but it hit its stride a few years later, hitting 1 million users in 2003. Really? So just after I posted that. I had no idea that that Live Journal was that popular. Yeah. So it had 5 million around 2004, and for several years it dominated the market for blogging. Wow. I know. Crazy, right? Um, so then I think that I want to move on to Napster, which isn't exactly a social media site, but it really did make it so that the connections between people became smaller, which is really what social media is about. Became right? tighter. You they mean, became like, tighter. They became closer. Yeah, yeah closer. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, because Napster was a file sharing website. Which basically means movies and, well, and this, music, this, this right? This was Wild West stuff. This was like, you know, you. Th- I think now, I, I like, I use Spotify a lot and, like, Pandora. And I think mm-hmm. about, like, okay, yeah, everybody's on board. The music is licensed. This is a thing. Napster used to be, like, you had more of a chance of getting something with a virus in it or, like, five minutes of static 
um, than you did the actual thing you were trying to get. Oh yeah. Um, because it was just like there was it, it was all it was so illegal, but not illegal in a way that there were actually any like laws against because no one had had to litigate against something like that before. So it was like yeah, we all agreed that this is wrong, but like. What are you going to do about it? It's the internet was kind of the overall thing. And like, right. even then there was that fear of like, if people find out you're downloading illegally, blah, blah, blah. but everybody did it. That and like Kazaa and LimeWire, but Napster was was the big one. Well, the reason that I think it was so popular is it was, it basically felt like handing your friend a CD. Yeah. And you're, you're, you know, you had already paid for the CD, but you could like spread it around. CD stands for compact disc, by thank, the way. Thank you, Grandma. Yes, we all know. <laughs> you don't know that. That's fair. So uh, it was, it, it was like you had this connection to people that you really didn't have before, um, and you could, you could really find anything on Napster. It was there. Oh, and especially considering like stuff like iTunes. Yeah. And it wasn't there yet. So like the idea of like, oh, I just heard this great song on the radio, but I don't want to go buy the whole CD of this band. I just want that one song. You couldn't just go on iTunes and pay 99 cents for it or listen to it on Spotify or go on YouTube and find a video of it. So if you wanted it, you went on Napster. Yep. Well, so um, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals found Napster had directly violated copyright in A&M Records Incorporated versus Napster Inc. And Napster was forced to restrict access to copyrighted material on its services, on its servers. Um, and it filed for bankruptcy, bankruptcy in 2002. Okay, so we've already got about 20 minutes. Let's We're only on Napster. Let's speed up just a little okay, bit Okay, well, here. we talked about MySpace. MySpace, which I understand is still going, uh, though it's most... So there was a thing very early on, and I think still, where you could, like, put music on and, like, pick your song and, like, have a song that would play when people go to your MySpace. Um, and I think for a lot of artists and bands, MySpace still continues to be a way that people, like, publish their music like sure, self-publish yeah. their music to myspace um well it was relaunched in 2013 but suffered a in but in uh 2016 suffered a massive password leak which sent myspace user users packing um and then there's linkedin which is basically myspace slash facebook shows. for professional shouties to quote parks and rec yeah that's the thing i i god i get those linkedin requests all the time and i don't know i've ever responded to one ever i mean uh, maybe if i was like a cpa mm -hmm. or like a business person but like i i stay in touch with my work contacts through twitter I think that if you are a young professional in that kind of track, LinkedIn is really useful. It really helps connect you to other professionals in your area, other professional services, get your resume out there. You know, you can basically put your whole resume on LinkedIn and then just push somebody towards your LinkedIn page and they can see everything. So let's let's talk about the two that we're going to talk like focus on. Okay. Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. Facebook is really the thing that comes to mind when people say social networking. Um, you could call it the social network. The social network from 2010. 
Starring Jesse Eisenberg, written by Aaron Sorkin. Um, so Facebook has 1.7 billion monthly active users. Oh, man. It's hard to wrap my head around that number. Um, that's a lot. And that's today, right? You know, like, picture like 1.7 person, right? They multiplied that by a billion. <laughs> Shut up. So um, it started in 2004 as a site for specifically Harvard University students. I, I can specifically remember a time when I was in college and the only way you could sign up for Facebook was with an e .edu and only from specific universities. That's right. That was in 2005. I remember my friend Katie, her university wasn't on board and I was so mad like, but how are we supposed to stay in touch? And like, I remember it being a very big deal when they opened up Facebook to everybody. In 2006. Because it became this like, but now anybody can find me and it's not. And like, my parents are on Facebook. Everybody's doing Facebook. And it used to just be cool for cool kids. Right. So anybody with a, a registered email address can be on Facebook now. Um, but it's not without controversy as you may have seen in this in the social network movie um so there's kind of a dispute between mark zuckerberg and the winklevoss twins over the legal ownership of facebook um, as an intellectual property um and the site is is riddled with privacy and security complaints it's just so big and there's so many people on it and i i also know a lot of that is complete uh, it's complete hokum. It's all like you see people share posts that are like, did you know they could do this? You need to change this setting or they, and it's like, yeah, that's just not the case. But everybody gets so scared about your private data being leaked that like they, they panic about stuff like that. And suddenly that post is shared a million times, mm -hmm. even though nothing's changed. No privacy settings have changed. Yeah. Nothing's different. It's just everyone's so scared. And then they keep using Facebook more and more and more and more. So there's Reddit. Which is kind of like, they, they call themselves the Internet's forum. Um, for every topic that you're interested in, there's probably a subreddit where people are discussing it. And then Tumblr. Uh, where people do a lot of fan posts. Um, they discuss things. It's kind of a little bit in the same vein as LiveJournal, where people like, they post their thoughts on Tumblr. They re, you know, it's not retumble, but now that's all I can think of. They share posts and that kind of thing. And Instagram. Instagram is for pictures. I don't think that it, the in, initial intention was like as a social media, but it's become that. There are people who make their entire living now off of like branding and stuff on Instagram and sharing and that kind of thing, but mostly photo sharing. Snapchat. It's photo sharing, but uh, temporary, where it goes away after you look at it. Um, you know, people use it. I, I'm on it um, because I wanted to find out what the deal was and why it exists. If you're trying to claim that it exists for reasons other than sharing inappropriate or adult, I should say mature photos, because inappropriate is judgmental. Vine. Um, Vine. Oh, but so Snapchat, it's fine. It's just little stupid pictures that you would never bother to like take and post or whatever it's fine um vine vine is short looped clips like i think it's like six to eight seconds something short a few seconds um it is now defunct um but that is very recent that's like in the last like 
six months, but it was basically funny videos and it just never really took off. Periscope? Periscope, I personally love, but Periscope is Twitter's live streaming app. Um, and, you know, you start your Periscope, it pushes to your Twitter, and then you can, um, you know, people come and they watch you do your thing, they give you hearts, they ask you questions, they can comment on your thing. It's just, the problem is, is it hasn't really achieved, so like YouTube, for example, is a thing where like, you start a video and if people like it, suddenly you're a YouTube sensation and you're making a living off of it. Periscope. If you're not already famous, if you don't already have a following, it's hard to get people interested in your Periscope because it's so, uh, like, uh, it's so, what's the word, impermanent. So, like, your videos go away after 24 hours. So, it's hard to gain a following if you don't already have one. But tweets last forever. So, then there's Twitter, which is my bread and butter. I love Twitter. Um, I also think that Twitter... More than Facebook, I would say, has a lot more uh, faux pas opportunities, faux pas opportunities, if you will. I think it's because Facebook has a lot of different kind of distractions that go on. You may not see all the comments on something you've written, and you're kind of distracted by people's photos and videos and status updates and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's a lot easier to get lost in the world of Facebook, whereas Twitter... It is written and it is there and searchable. Not only that, but unless you have your Twitter feed protected, people can just follow you. Right. So, like, unlike Facebook, where if I don't approve a friend request, like, I'm not getting that person's updates. I'm not seeing that thing. On Twitter, if someone follows you and you tweet a thing, they can comment on it. You exactly. know what I mean? So, it's a lot easier for people who, like, you don't know to comment on your thing. But you know what? Before we really get into talking about Twitter, and we will... Um, let's that sounds a, like a threat and we will let's talk a little bit about the max fun drive so as i said last day of max fun drive Teresa, tell me a little bit about max fun and why listener support is so important well listener support is so important to us because um these are the things that we do because we love it and we hope that you love it as well um and if you get that warm fuzzy feeling from our podcast we hope that you share it yeah, that's the thing. So Max Fun, uh, we do some advertisements. You've probably heard some on this show, but it's it's such a small, small, small part of the revenue stream of Max Fun. The majority of Max Fun's revenue comes from listeners like you and donors. And um, the way it works is once a year, we ask you to consider pledging a monthly donation. And when you do, you'll mark down which shows you listen to. And you can mark down as many as you like. Correct. Um, 30% of your donation goes to Max Fund to help keep the lights on. But the other 70% is split amongst all the shows that you listen to. So you're directly supporting, not just supporting the network, directly supporting the shows that you love and the artists who make them. So um, basically... We'll tell you about all the different rewards you get, but I would say that the biggest reward you get is unlike, um, I'm trying to think of, a good, so like when, when you, you pay for a Netflix subscription or Hulu subscription, you don't have a sense of ownership over Netflix. Like I, I have a Netflix account. I've never been like, yes, my friend's making Netflix. Like that's, I don't feel that. I feel like a subscriber. I feel like the same as I feel when I like have a cable subscription. But with Max Fun, one, the community is so tight knit and like 
we do events and we talk to you and it's you know, a lot of our shows are based off of like listener questions. So already it's a lot more, you know, close knit, but also we, we wouldn't exist without our listeners. So we're very invested in you. You're very invested in us. It's a lot more of a partnership than it is like you're subscribing to our network. Um, and so basically the, let's talk about, let's talk about the um, reward levels. Well, at $5 a month, you are granted access to all the bonus content ever. So that's not just from this year. That's from all the years that your favorite podcasts have been with Max Fun. We're talking like a hundred hours. So it's like adding, you know, what, three months worth of all the shows suddenly. It's like you just picked up all this added time, all these added episodes. Um, you know, there's a couple episodes of Schmanners. There's like eight episodes of My Brother, My Brother and Me. One of which is My Sister-in-Law, My Sister-in-Law and Me, which I'm on. Yes, it's Teresa and Rachel <laughs> and Sydney. Um, it is quite entertaining. Plus, you get to support the shows you love for only $5 a month. Now, for $10 a month... For $10 a month, you get to pick a beautiful enamel pin of your choice. Um, and through popular demand, because people are having such a hard time picking their favorite pin. We should say there's a pin for each show. Yes. So they're all themed and beautiful. The Schmanners is like uh, a tea, uh, tea time kind of pin. It's a teacup and saucer. Um, and through popular demand, um, since we have now exceeded our 10,000 new and upgrading donor uh, level, you are able to, once you donate at the $10 a month level, you will be eligible to buy more pins, those proceeds going to charity. Um, so at $5 a month, you get the bonus content. At $10 a month, you get the enamel pin. At $20 a month, we have something that I think our Schmanners listeners will be very interested in. It's called the Keep in Touch Kit. Um, and it's all about correspondence. You have um, some very lovely note cards. You have a rocket pen with four different colors. You have a rocket-shaped candle that smells of sharpened pencils and friendship. You have a rocket stamp. Um, all for you to keep in touch with your friends. And plus, you also get the enamel pin and the bonus content because all the rewards stack as you move up to the next level. So at $35 a month, you get the keep in touch kit, the enamel pin, and the bonus content. You also get two rocket engraved beer mugs. Um, and I say beer, you can drink whatever you want in them. I'm just being descriptive. And they're engraved with the MaxFun Rocket logo, and they are beautiful. Plus, on top of all the rewards you get, you get the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you're supporting your favorite shows and your favorite hosts. If you are interested in becoming a donor, please do it now while you're thinking about it, because we only have, I mean, if I get this up Friday morning, about 12 hours left. <laughs> so go to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate and consider donating. If you're already a donor... You could consider upgrading. That counts towards our total goal. Um, but also, go on Twitter. Go on Facebook. Go on the social medias that we're discussing. Go on Friendster. Go on LinkedIn. I, I don't know how to get to Friendster. I don't either. Go on your live journal and tell people to go to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. And if you do donate, please do tweet at us at SchmannersCast on Twitter. And I will uh, write you a little thank you tweet. So let's talk about Twitter. 
I have strong feelings about Twitter. You do, and all the feelings make you feel feelings about yourself? This is true. A lot of feelings. Got a lot of feels. Here's the thing about Twitter, and I've talked about this a lot on a lot of my other shows, too. I think the thing that so many people forget, you talk about DMs, right? And you mm-hmm, talk, and mm-hmm. I think people think about Twitter too much like Facebook. We're like on Facebook, for, for example, I may post something like, I ah, just had a great day hanging out. Like it's a lot more like personal kind mm-hmm. of social media where it's just like. Just had a great day hanging out with at Teresa McElroy. Yeah. Now on Twitter, Twitter is for jokes. Twitter is for sound bites. Twitter is for news. Twitter's well, for headlines. Is, you only have 140 characters. I mean, if you're being, you know, the distilled version of Twitter, and I know that there are different things where you can add, like, to your your updates or whatever, um, but it, it really is quite short. Well, okay, think about it this way. This is the way that you should think about it. Facebook is like you're in a family reunion, right? Mm-hmm. Room full of people, a lot of people, some of them you like, some of you don't like, but they know you and you know them and you know why they're there. So like, you're still watching what you say, but like you can be a little bit more relaxed because you basically know everyone in the room, right? And there's also a lot of people talking at the same time. Twitter is more like there's a microphone on a stage and everybody's taking turns standing in front of a room like full of thousands of strangers and saying something into the microphone and then sitting back down. Hmm. So like you need to be more careful about what you say and there's more of a chance you're going to hear someone say something that upsets you. We actually got a question that I think is going to be a fairly good uh, uh, transition to this. This is from David Pemberton. Uh, As people who are Twitter famous, what are your top do's and don'ts for fans reaching out? Is there anything that especially frustrates you? Well, I'm not I'm not quite Twitter famous. I don't think that I, I tweet enough to be Twitter famous. Um, but one of the things that I really enjoy is people telling me that they like my work. And the thing that I don't really enjoy is when people tell me they don't like my work. Yeah, so I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, the one, okay. Here's just some, like, top Twitter etiquette tips from Travis to you. And the number one is this. Always assume that the person you're talking about is going to read it. Um, I see a lot of people, they'll tweet at me and start it with, you probably won't see this, but... And I just want to respond to them, you tagged me in it. Why would you think I wouldn't see it? Yeah. Like, it goes to me. You used my name in it. And so I I would say that that, and I also see people, listen, I have no problem if you have a negative opinion of my work. That's fine. People do. That's fine. They don't find my stuff funny or whatever. But you can tweet about that without tagging me in it. Mm -hmm. And I see people do that a lot where they'll like tag, you know, uh, I'm trying to think like, um, who's the, like, hey, Chris Pratt at Pratt Pratt, like. Or they'll just say, like, I didn't think Pratt Pratt was very good in our Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. It's like those mean tweets that Jimmy Kimmel does. Yeah, you could say that without tagging him in it. Like, unless you are trying to be mean to him. Right. So keep that in mind. I think people, like, they just, they act, they mention people in their tweets because that's just what you do when you know that the person you're talking about is on Twitter. But you don't have to do that. Because your followers will still see it. Yeah. 
and they, then the person you're talking about doesn't have to see it. And okay, I'm going to say that it does sound a little bit like talking behind someone's back if you don't tag What's them in it. What's called subtweeting. But that's the thing. Once again, that there's a difference between subtweeting your friend and subtweeting a creator of a mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. of like, I'm, I, if you don't tag me and I don't follow you, the chances of me seeing your tweet are less than 1%. But if you tag me in it, the chances of me seeing your tweet, me personally, Travis McRoy, about 99.9% because I'm constantly on Twitter. So, like, it, it's just this kind of thing of, like, would you say this to the person's face? Yeah. There's a strange kind of anonymity about posting things, especially on Twitter, where when you are safe behind your smartphone or your, your laptop, it feels so removed. But it, it really isn't. Um, because although there are some who may say that social networking sites and uh, applications have made us more inward, um, because, you know, we sit at our computer and stare at our phones instead of talking to other people, I would argue that it has made the world feel a lot smaller. People are a lot more closely connected than they used to be. Yeah, but they might not see it that way. Right. So that's why it's important to remember that even though you feel sheltered and you feel protected behind your glowing screen, you really aren't. Um, the things that you say and do have an impact on the people that you say them about. Um, so the other two, well, I'm sure I'll think of a th- more, but uh, two other things. One, you can delete tweets. I think that there's this weird aversion to deleting your tweets because it'll seem like, oh, it's going to seem like I got scared or like I'm backing down from. If you tweet a thing and someone is hurt by it or you tweet it and you're like, you know what? I wish I hadn't said that. Delete it. You can delete it. That's fine. Like I, this is many times someone has said something and like they had a piece of information about me that was just incorrect. And I have said, like, oh, no, here's what actually happened. And then they're like, oh, okay, thanks for bringing that up. And then they don't delete their previous tweet. And it's like, hey, here's the thing to think about that. If anybody just clicks on your first tweet and doesn't follow through the rest of the discussion, they still think that thing about me you said was true. Mm-hmm. So, like, delete that. Third, you don't have to tweet. I think that that is a good lesson to learn about all of these social media applications. There are a lot of things that people you know and love want to hear from about you, but there are a lot of things that nobody really wants to hear about from you. Well, and here's the thing. It's not about like your opinion is not important, but I do this a lot. I do this a lot where like I'll see something happen. I'm like, I got to comment on this. And it's like, wait, I don't. I don't. This is not. I don't need to get a hand on this ball. I think that there's been this thing that's happened with Twitter where Twitter and social media in general has given people a platform for their opinions, which is great, but is also very dangerous Mm -hmm. um, because it's a little bit of that absolute power thing of like, I tweeted a thing. People liked it. So now I'm going to tweet every single thought that pops into my head about everything that happens and hope that people like it. You know what I mean? Like well, It reminds me of the old adage, uh, opinions are like butts. Everybody has one and sometimes they stink. I mean, 
Yes. The thing is, it's like, <laughs> I, I've been working really hard to try to think like, do I have something to actually add to this conversation rather than just like shouting back like, I agree. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to tweet. Um, so anyway, so those are just some basic points from me to you. Travis's thoughts on Twitter. Oh, you know what? Here's the last one. This is actually a lesson <laughs> I've learned from my beautiful wife. Thread tweets are very, very, very tricky. Yes. Um, it's just, it's not, Twitter is not a good medium for conveying long form thoughts. And while I have read a lot of threads where I've been like, wow, that's really great. I've also read a lot where the tweets in the middle taken out of context are mm-hmm. are maybe um, not the, uh, taken out of context, they, they are a message that was not the intended. And so it's very easy for people to then take those messages out of context. Yeah. Um, one last, this is one okay. last. Okay, one last, last one. I okay. promise. One basic Twitter etiquette, and then we'll start answering some questions. If you see somebody's tweet, and I think this is also true on any social, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, whatever. If a significant amount of time has passed when someone started a conversation on Twitter or asked a question on Twitter, maybe think twice, look through the replies they've gotten before you respond. Because this has happened to me, especially when there's like some big news event or a controversial discussion going on. And like, I'll say something leads to a big discussion. And then like the next day, somebody tries to chime in on it. It's like, we've moved past that. We're on to the next day now. I think that might be the Twitter equivalent of read the room. Yeah. A little yeah. bit of like, is this still being talked about? Because it, man, sometimes it's really mind boggling if I've moved on to a completely different discussion. Now we're talking about marshmallows and somebody wants to jump in and talk about this thing that I'm like, what's that have to do with marshmallows? Oh, right. right. That's a tweet I tweeted seven hours ago. Great. Hey, how about we do some questions? Okay. Enough about my own feelings on Twitter. Um, this is from Timothy. Is it okay to call someone out on Facebook if they haven't replied, but you see the scene notification and it was a significant amount of time ago, or should you give them the benefit of the doubt? This reminds me of another thing about Twitter. (laughs) Um, well, here's the thing, Timothy, if I might jump in. Sure. The thing, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, reevaluate the thing that you said to them. And really think about, did I ask for a response in this? Sure. Um, For example, if you tweet at a creator, I love your work. You know, they might say thank you, but that's not a question. Mm -hmm. It's not, there's no inherent call for a response there. Right. Um, So they might see it and think, oh, it's really nice, but not have the time to respond and not feel that a response is necessary because no question was asked. I agree with that. Um, I also think that if it is something that you have asked for a response, um, I often try and remind myself that no matter how much I may want to get rid of something, sometimes things on the Internet are forever. Um, and so if you feel like you need to reach out to someone, it's probably better done in a direct message or something that isn't, you know, readily available to other users. Um, if you have their email, if you have their text, even like 
It's not a good it's, it's means not a of, good, of communication, really. Yeah, because people aren't always on Facebook. You know, maybe someone has taken a hiatus or whatever, and you just haven't seen that particular status update. So you're getting upset for no reason. And they might also have seen it or checked it at a time when they're like, oh, yeah, okay, got to remember to get back to that later. Yeah. And then, like, you know, maybe they're like, waiting on the bus the bus just got there so they saw it but like whatever there's a thousand different in this day and age this is another man this is another tip in this day and age (laughs) i think especially since most people a lot of people have like smartphones and have internet access and have access to communication we've all gotten a little bit spoiled as far as the speed with which we expect people to respond to us and so like i can remember a time that our kids won't which is a time when you would call my house and leave a message on the right. answering machine. And then you would wait until I got home and checked it and called you back. And now we tweeted a person. And if they haven't responded in five minutes, we get frustrated. Right. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. It's like there are a thousand really good reasons why someone might not respond right away to your thing. Exactly. And there's also... There's also something to be said about inquiring in a more private manner than why haven't you responded? Why aren't you talking to me? Do you hate me now? All that kind of stuff. And also, why haven't you responded in any circumstance puts a person on the defense? It like it's it's just inherently an accusation. And here's the thing. This is it what, does sound like you're ignoring me on purpose. Yeah, here's the thing. If, if, if they haven't responded to you on purpose, or because it's one of two, either they haven't done it on purpose, or they haven't responded on accident. <laughs> but like, there's not going to be a good answer to why haven't you responded yet that's going to make you feel good. Even if they give you a good answer, you're going to feel bad for calling them out about it. Right. So a private communication is is ultimately better if you need a timely response. Hey, didn't know if you saw, I asked a question on Facebook, didn't know if you got a chance to answer it, but are you able to babysit on third, whatever. Exactly. You know what I mean? Don't know if you were, if you saw is, yes, much better than I know you saw it and you didn't answer, Doug. (laughs) Um, This question is from Carly. When someone posts something that is offensive in nature and you want to tell them why it's offensive, is it better to comment on the post or direct message to them? I think that uh, you have to, this is one of the the answers where I'm going to say you need to think about what your relationship is to this person. Um, and I'm going to say that the the closer the relationship, the more likely you need to direct message them. I, I also think that you need to take kind of like take a second and look at what their post is and ask yourself, did they post this because they don't know the facts, They but but they might be open to it? Or did they post this because they are trying to start fights on social media and they don't really care what the truth is. They're going to believe what they believe. Beca- or did they post this because this is something that they genuinely believe and they believe it needs a forum on a social site? But they're not really looking for... They're not looking for differing opinions. Exactly. If that is the case, I would say just scroll on by. Because yeah. if they're not looking for a, a, a discussion then nothing you say is going to change it anyway. This is another example of you don't have to respond. Mm -hmm. 
Like, I, 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 I have this feeling a lot where I'll see stuff like that and think, if I don't say something, and the answer is like, Nothing, what? nothing will what? happen. Really, like, I, and it's, there's a difference between finding your opportunities to change hearts and minds, which does exist. And if that opportunity is that opportunity, take it. Versus, and I talked about this on Interrobang, swinging at every pitch. Mm -hmm. You're not going to change every heart and mind by responding. The question is finding the hearts and minds that are open to change and taking the opportunities when they're there and not responding to Because what's going to happen more often than not is you're going to end up feeling frustrated and they're going to block you or they're going to ignore ignore you. you. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some really great things on Facebook these days. Um, You can hide a post from a particular source. You can hide a post on a a certain person's wall without unfriending them. Um, You can mute their posts and remain their friend. Or you can unfriend these people who you disagree with. Um, I wouldn't advocate doing that because it is important, especially in this kind of tumultuous, divisive political environment that you seek out differing opinions. But, you know, if it is really something that you can't stand on your your news feed, you can take those steps. You know, we might end up having to do this as a two-parter because we've done mm, two questions and we're already at 55 minutes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so we're going to do some more questions. And I think we'll turn this into a... I think next week we'll answer more questions and talk about social media more. I knew this was going to be a meaty one. Um, This question is from Rachel Rosing. I get a lot of Facebook friend requests from people I don't know in real life, but we are in the same uh, Facebook groups. I feel rude declining them, but I also don't really know these people. Um, You have the right to cultivate your Facebook any way you choose. Take it from me. There was a period when I started doing My Brother, My Brother and Me where I just accepted every Facebook request I got. And it led to me having like 3,000 friends on Facebook, 2,000 of which I don't know. So routinely, like people will comment on my things or I'll see posts pop up and I'm like, who is this? What is what? And I have to then go through and like unfriend and figure out who I know and who I don't. Just avoid the whole thing. Don't accept requests from people you don't know. That would be my recommendation. Um, but you, the good thing I think that I have found about Facebook is if you ignore someone's friend request, if they don't search you, they may never know. They have sent that friend request and it's been in your queue or you ignore it or you actually like decline the request unless they like try and post on your wall and they can't, then they just won't know. So you have control over the relationships that you cultivate and that includes Facebook. Don't feel bad. This question is from George. Might be Jorge. I'm going to go with George. Okay. J-O-R-G-E. Can't tell. We'll go with, you know what, Jorge. I like that better. We're going to go with Jorge. (laughs) How to deal, and this is in all caps, but I'm not going to read it that way. How to deal when you accidentally like someone's photo or post from nine months ago because you were creeping on their profile. Thank you. Um, I think that if you have the most updated version, you can quickly unlike um, by double clicking on the, or second Clicking for a second time on the like button 
and no one will ever know unless they were like looking at it just that second and they see it go from five likes to six likes. People won't know. I will also say to assuage your fears. If you're creeping on them, the only way that they're going to be like, what is if they're creeping to like the I, I see people do this a lot of like I, I did this thing and nobody cares as much about your own actions as you do. You know what I mean? People have liked stuff from me. Like, oh, for example, I, I will routinely see on Instagram, like somebody will like a photo from like a year ago. And for a fleeting second in my head, I'm like, huh, that was from a year ago. And then I'm past it. Then I don't like, then I'm on with my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It doesn't register for me. Like, why was this person looking at a photo of me from a year? Like, okay, cool. They went back through my photos. Everybody does that. And I think that's the key. Um, it's, it's no longer one of those faux pas to, to quote, creep on somebody like that. Um, you know, we all are finding people at different times in our lives. I just reconnected with some people from, uh, my high school years. Because you were looking through your live journal. Um, and I think that, you know, we, we all go through it. And so it's not as bad as it used to be. No. Um, we're going to answer a couple more questions, but first, a little bit more about the Max Fun Drive. Um, so we're wrapping up. I will say, this is the last thing I want to say. Right now, our lives are, we're in this period now where like, this is our full-time jobs, right? M- most macroids, I think at this point, across the globe are in some <laughs> way engaged in podcasting in a significant chunk of time. And like, Teresa and I, you know, we've got a baby now. Um, you know, we're adults, we pay bills, we go to the doctor, we do adult things, but we find time, we make sure that we are consistent, that we record and that we find time to engage with people on social media, that we, you know, are making sure our sound quality is as good as it can be, that kind of thing. We're traveling You're for live shows. You're always buying new equipment and well, stuff. Well, because we're trying to make it sound as good as we can because we take this seriously because... We know that there are donors and supporters out there who take it just as seriously as we do. So seeing people say like, hey, I donated. I love Schmanners. It's like, then we're doing it for you. And I also want to say, I also recognize there are lots of people who love our shows who can't afford to donate. Totally fine. I also appreciate your support. Like, I... I, I'm not just saying this, not just paying lip service. It means just as much to me to see people say, I wish I could, but I can't afford it. But I'm telling everybody about it. That's really what we what we hope from you. If you if you can't afford it and that's okay, we would love for you to spread your love around. So tell your followers about it. Um, And so your support means the world from us. It's why we do what we do. And, you know, this is our last minute. You know, if you haven't done it yet or maybe this is the first you're hearing about it maximumfund.org forward slash donate we talked about the five dollar with the bonus content the ten dollar with the enamel pin the twenty dollars with the keep in touch kit the 35 dollars with the rocket mugs Teresa, tell me about the hundred dollar culture club well um the culture club with your hundred dollar monthly donation is where you receive an article of culture from your favorite max fun hosts it can be music it can be a digital download um it can be a book a a book a movie all kinds of great stuff great cultural items that have some sort of significance to this um this 
podcaster. Um, and we actually sent one in a couple months ago. We were asked for our contribution and we suggested Harry Connick Jr.'s album 20, um, which it's one of my favorite growing up. And I was very into Harry Connick Jr. for a long time. I owned all of his albums. I think I still do somewhere. <laughs> um, but it was great a, songs, some great standards that I think very, were very applicable very to our cool, thing. cool, informative. It made me feel cool, like a cool dude to listen to Harry Connick Jr. It's not important, but that's why I picked it. So you will receive those, um, I believe, monthly um, from your favorite Max Fun hosts. Now, what about $200 a month, which sounds like a lot. But it goes a long way to support the art and artists you love. Plus, you get everything we've already listed. Plus, you get... You get guaranteed free registration for Max FunCon. Now, just to be clear, Max FunCon 2018, not the ones coming up this summer. But yes. the thing about it this way, I think Max FunCon is already like $1,200, $1,500. Mm-hmm. So, like $200 a month, that's already like six months you know, of your pay right there. Right. Covering that. Plus, it sells out so quickly. So knowing that you're guaranteed registration at Max FunCon is a great deal. Max FunCon, in case you didn't know, is like the coolest kid, cool kid, adult summer camp ever. <laughs> where like you go for a weekend either to the Poconos or to Lake Thunderbird. Arrowhead. No, like Arrowhead. Lake Thunderbird's in Oklahoma. Like Arrowhead <laughs> in California. And you hang out not only with other cool Max Fun supporters, but with your favorite podcasters, comedians, artists, photographers, authors, all, and like you do, uh, you know, stand up comedy shows and podcast live shows and crafting and parties. And it's amazing. So basically at that donor level, the $200 a month, all you have to do is get there. Yep. And trust me, you'll want to get there. So if you're interested in one of those levels, please consider donating MaximumFun.org forward slash donate um so i had this is a good question from william what are good schmanners regarding responding to birthday messages on facebook i assume he means like people posting on your wall like Mm -hmm. happy birthday i think so i think that um the least amount you can do is like the post if it's your birthday people have taken the time to write on your birthday um and just one simple click like that post that lets the person who posted know that you have seen it and appreciated it if you would like to you can take the time to write out thank you to every single person the same way that you would if they said physically to you happy birthday you would say oh thank you um but long heartfelt oh my gosh that's so nice of you is not necessary, but you certainly can write those if you want to. What do you think about the, like, the next day? Like, thank you to everybody. It meant a lot to me to see so many people posting on my wall. You're all great. Absolutely. I think that is a wonderful extra step. Um, so I've actually got two questions here that I'm going to tie together because I think that they uh, are of a similar vein. Midge asks, when is it better to use at versus hashtag? And what's a way... Uh, and what's a way to support without potentially spamming? And Kyle asks, when is it okay to at somebody you aren't actually addressing when recommending their work to a friend or never? Um, so a hashtag basically puts you a part of a group. And although your you, your post is searchable, it is not directly connecting you with someone. Um, and so if you're, if that's what you're after... 
Uh, like if it is, if you're taking pictures of your friends at a wedding and they have a wedding hashtag that groups all of the pictures of that wedding. Um, but if you are actively trying to connect to people, you need to use the at, um, or they'll probably never see it. Especially if you're saying like, check out this comedian, their work is amazing. Exactly. You want to make sure people can find them and follow them themselves and help build up their profile. So I would say that it, it, to answer Minji's question, use the at if the person has an account, if there's an account for you to direct to. But say you're talking about Stranger Things and you want people to be able to find your comments about Stranger Things when their hashtag is fine. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the hashtag Max Fun Drive. But I also talk about at Max Fun HQ. Just depends on whether I'm talking about Max Fun, the you know the the business, or I'm talking about Max Fun Drive, the concept. Um, and but as far as like spamming, if you're being supportive, if you're saying like if somebody tweeted at me once a day, I love the Adventure Zone, cool. Like that doesn't. I'm not gonna sit there and be like, whoa, these kids. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna say thank you and go on. Now. It depends on, are you just repeating the exact word for word, same sentiment, or is it like, oh my God, you guys, I thought I loved, I thought I loved West Wing Weekly, which I do, but this latest episode was amazing. You have to check it out. Richard Schiff is great. Great. That's way (laughs) different than just like saying over and over again, I love West Wing Weekly, because what you don't want to appear to be is thirsty. You don't want to sit there and be like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. But if you're actually directing... It's just not a good look. It's just not a good look. But if you're actually, like, discussing the things that you love and you're directing people to other people's work that you love and you're, like, actually trying to engage in a conversation, I think that's always a good look. You know, it's a big difference between, hey, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, and have you guys checked out this yet? Here's why I think you'll love it. Word of mouth is... It's the, like, currency of the internet. So doing something like that is always appreciated um and to kyle's question when's it okay to at somebody you aren't actually addressing if you're being positive i think it's fine it's only like when you have a negative comment to make ask yourself is this a negative comment i want the person to see to try to improve their whatever or is and in that case you better make sure that it's constructive and not just um derogatory and if not if it's just like i just want to vent about this thing for a second then maybe don't. Don't? Don't. Um, but, you know, at the, at, at the end of the day, the thing about that is, like, what all, all the little, all the things I've said so far, the rules I've said, are what I wish people would do mm-hmm. to make my perfect version of Twitter. But I also realize that there are people for whom they want Twitter to be a place where they can vent without restraint. That's how they view it. And I think we talked a little bit earlier about why there were so there's so many opportunities for people to be upset on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons is everybody has a slightly different opinion of when Twitter works best. For some, it's a great place for the exchange of actual ideas about politics and news. And for others, it's a great place to like broadcast your jokes. And for others, it's the quintessential place to complain about things that are pissing you off in the media or whatever. For others, it's the best place to promote their projects. And everybody's using the same service for a thousand different purposes. So there's a lot of friction there. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, so one of the things that that I think has really helped me as far as schmanners, um, I kind of, I try to live by the Emily Post code of it's better to show yourself as an example than to point out other people's flaws. So if you use Twitter the way that you would like to be treated on Twitter, you're going to be a-okay. Um, there's There's just so much out there that, you can affect with change by starting with yourself and you don't, uh, you don't need to point out other people's flaws. The second thing that I'd like to say as, as my personal tip on Twitter and, and other written communication, social medias, sarcasm doesn't transfer well. That's not great. It's, you really, um, it's, it's so hard. And I know that there are emojis and, you know, italics and, and, and different ways that people try to translate sarcasm, but it doesn't work very well. And, and a lot of times people end up getting hurt. Um, here's the last thing I'll say, and then we're going to end part <laughs> then we're, one. They're really going to end. Cause we're definitely going to do a part two. We have maybe 50 more questions. Um, but Sometimes if you see something that is offensive to you or upsetting to you, be it on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and you're trying to think of the right way to respond to it, sometimes you say more by ignoring and blocking than you do by responding. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we talked about that a little bit. You have the right to cultivate your news feed uh, as however you see fit. For a long time, if somebody said something to me that I thought they were, like, trying to pick a fight with me or troll me or whatever, then I would, like, well, are you doing gay? If I just block them and coward them, whatever. I'm so much happier if I just look and say, are they just trying to start with me? Block and walk away. I don't owe them anything. And, like, it, I, there is, it is not good for my well-being to exhaust my energy trying to convince them of why I'm a good person and they should feel bad for being mean to me, it works a lot better to just walk away. And with that, let's do our thank yous. Let's walk away. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. One last time, MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. The Max Fun Drive we probably have uh, a couple more hours when you're hearing this. Um, please consider donating. Support the shows and sh- uh, an artist that you love. Um, and you know what? Just thank you for listening. Thank you for um, hanging out with us. And <laughs> this is a fun episode. And I, I will say that we've picked up a lot of new listeners in the last couple of weeks. And it just makes you feel really good. I, and I know that that's because people like you are going out and telling their friends like, hey, if you guys checked out the show, oh, you know, I actually heard people talk about that on the, the latest episode of Schmanners. And like that just, it just means all the world to me and I really appreciate it. We also really appreciate it when you go to iTunes and you rate, review, and subscribe. That really helps us with our ratings. Um, always thank you to Brent Brentlefoss Black for our theme music. That is available um, wherever ringtones are sold for your, your telephone use. Um, also, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our banner and thumbnail art. It's beautiful. Check out her profile. Um, as I said, we'll probably, I think maybe next week will be part two of this. So if there's anything in this episode where you're like, hmm, I would like to hear more about this or what are your thoughts on this? You can tweet at us at Schmannerscast, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S, or 
Just search for Schmanners in Facebook and join our Facebook group. And thank you so much for all the people who have joined in the in during the Max Fun Drive. I'm approving approving those um, ads as fast as I can. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Go check out all the other amazing shows on Maximum Fun. That's going to do it for us this week. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners, get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.